All right, well, let's turn in the Word of God, <coughs> and we're going to turn back to Hosea chapter 2. Last week, we looked at chapter 1. Today, we're going to look at chapter 2. I don't look at these books too often, so we'll look at a couple things in here. Hosea chapter 1, right? We saw that uh, despite all that was going on there, the Lord said, yet, amen. Glad he does that. Then we'll see some other good things in this chapter, Hosea chapter 2. We'll just read verses 1 through 15. Say this, Hosea chapter 2, beginning verse 1 says, Say ye unto your brethren, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhavah, Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and set her as in that day that she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot. She hath conceived them, hath, she that hath conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Verse 6, Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better with me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof and my wine in the season thereof and will recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and none shall deliver her out of mine hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, whereof she has said, These are my rewards that my lovers have given me. And I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. And I will visit her upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them. And she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers, and forget me, saith the Lord." Verses 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came out of the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Lord, again, Lord, we just uh, thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. And uh, Lord, we trust you. Lord, as we read the other night, Lord, the blessings of your goodness uh, go before us, and we want to stay focused on that, dear Lord. Don't let us get sidetracked by the, uh, the things of life. But Lord, we do pray for the many sick among us. Uh, Lord, I think of uh, John and Lydia this morning. Lord, I think of uh, uh, the, those sick among the Aguilars, and Brother Wood's uh, family's been sick, and Lord, just uh, everybody seems has been touched by sickness. And so, Lord, we ask you, uh, Lord, just to have mercy and uh, heal and raise up uh, quickly. 
uh, Lord, so people can, uh, Lord, be about your service. Lord, we pray a special prayer for uh, uh, Sister Angela's uh, father. We don't know what happened there, but Lord, we just ask you give wisdom and a direction concerning that situation and, and be with them and comfort them right now, we pray. And then, uh, Lord, no doubt there's, a, again, unspoken prayer request. Lord, I think of Patrick and others with burdens upon their heart. Lord, please touch them, strengthen them, uh, give them wisdom and guidance, uh, dear God. Uh, Lord, people need uh, just wisdom about important decisions that need to be made. Lord, please help them. And uh, Lord, despite whatever may be going on, help us to rest in your faithfulness, we pray. Lord, the devil loves to uh, distract and get people's hearts and minds. So, Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, as uh, we were learning Sunday school, that our hearts and minds would just stay on the Word of God. We would allow the Word of God to keep us close to you. We would allow the Word of God uh, to give us the faith we need to keep uh, pressing on. Now, Lord, again, as we look at this portion of Scripture, may we learn to thy glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Interesting portion of Scripture here. Now, as uh, I mentioned last week, of course, Hosea is a good illustration of God's great love. Amen? God's great love between uh, the Father and His people. And, of course, as you go through here, you see that uh, played out through uh, Hosea, the prophet. And, of course, his wife, uh, the Lord uh, told him to take, which is interesting. And then, of course, the three uh, children uh, mentioned. And we saw all of them uh, last week. Now, in this chapter... Uh, it's kind of interesting, sort of look at it this way. Hosea comes home, and he finds his children there alone, and his wife's gone. His wife is taken off. Remember, she's a, she's a wife of uh, Hordom's. And so he comes home, he finds his children uh, there, and uh, his wife is gone. And despite her wickedness, right, despite her wickedness, he goes after her. He seeks her. And he does not give up on her. And so we'll see again. Uh, we look at uh, the children of Israel. But of course, you know, as we think of things that if we've heard of happen in people's lives, and if we just think of just any sinner out there running from God, it's also a picture of just any sinner out there uh, running from God. We all uh, know people. Uh, either we have a loved one or we know of uh, somebody that has a loved one. We have people that we've prayed for uh, in the church that uh, have gotten into deep sin. And uh, it just seems like uh, God's done this and God's done that's sort of what you see in this chapter. God does this and God does that. And, you know, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? That's sort of what's going on uh, in this chapter. And But here's the thing. <laughs> that uh, we need to remember when we're praying for our loved ones and that they need to remember, whoever it is, when they're running from God, that you cannot hide from God. doesn't matter how you try, you cannot hide from God. So here's a, uh, some verses, some good verses concerning that. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10 say the, says this, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, right? Even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. But this shows that, hey, doesn't matter where you go, you can't get away from the presence of God. 
And so you know what else that means? No matter where you go, you can't get away from the love of God <laughs> because, right, he is love, and where his presence is, his love is. So Hosea, like God the Father, despite, uh, uh, you know, what, uh, you know they, there's always that first response, right? Well, you know, <laughs> if that's the way she's going to be, you know, he sort of says that, but then he goes out, goes out after her. And you saw that in chapter one, you know, God says, <laughs> sort of says this, and then he says that yet, right? And so we thank God that despite everything, he shows mercy. Psalm 103.10 says this, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And that's certainly true with the, the lost out there. That's true you know, when we think about what's going in our nation, he certainly hasn't dealt with our nation yet, according to their iniquities. But boy, you look at us, even as believers, some of the foolish things we do sometimes, and we thank God that he doesn't dwell with us according uh, to our shortcomings. So God's love is unchanging, and it will not let go. And of course, it exceeds our imagination. Now again, uh, verses 4 and 5 say this, and I, will not and I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot. She that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. And so, as we said, she even forsakes her children. You know, and I think about that, you know, when uh, I was talking to, I met somebody the other day, I can't remember who it was, but they... They help with foster children. You know, they tell me some of the things that, uh, you know, the, the homes that they take these children from and the sad situation they face. And so her wretched sin affects her children. You know, and I think about sin, how it affects, how it affects the home and how many children, just even in our society, even in our own town, how many children are suffering today because of the wickedness of their parents how many children, even here in Greenville and around us, even around this church, cry themselves to sleep at night alone because of the sins of parents? It's a, it's a sad thought. But, you know, we look at here, and of course, uh, we're looking at Hosea's wife, and then, of course, uh, God's looking at Israel, but uh, even bringing this home when we, we get a picture again of maybe a loved one out in sin, maybe a, a child, a spouse, a parent, uh, you know, uh, uh, a brother. You know, we have, of course, you know, we, we've been trying to help. I was, of course, as I look at this, I think of, you know, uh, Brother Woods, Brother Michael that we've been praying for. And, you know, we've tried to help him here. We've tried to help him there. I think of uh, Brother, you know, Burgess's uh, son that we all know about and pray for. And, and then you might have uh, uh, people that, that you know about. And when we have a loved one uh, go astray, especially a child or a close relative, of course, we'd be willing to do anything we can uh, to help get them pointed uh, in, the, in the right direction. You know, I think about, you know, when my brother Dave got out of prison, I was willing to do anything uh, to help him to get back, on his, get back on his feet. But it's a sad situation when we see people, despite the grace and mercy of God, despite the many attempts of God, continue on 
in sin. And so, you know, it's like Hosea is trying to come up with all these ideas. What can I do? What can I do to draw her back to me? You know, and God says that to his people when they go astray. What can I do to draw them back to me? So he sort of comes up uh, with an idea here. He tries in verse six and he says this, therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns. Notice the statement. I will hedge up thy way with thorns. I will make a wall that she shall not find her paths. Notice this. Therefore, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try and hedge up her way with thorns. Hey, maybe if I put some restraints on her behavior, if I can just limit where she can go, then maybe she'll turn back to me. You know, we think that way, you know, uh, you know, you know, man, maybe if this person just goes to prison for a while. Right. And and, uh, you know, they get off the drugs and they get off this. Then maybe, you know, they'll they'll turn to God. That's sort of what Jose is trying here. Man, maybe if I can just sort of how some way limit uh, uh, her ability and limit where she can go. If I can maybe perhaps if I can limit her movement, she'll see the error of her ways and and find a door of hope back to me. And he says this, notice uh, verse seven, and she shall follow. If I could just uh, look at this again, verse six, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her path. Boy, if I can just block her way from going out there, maybe that'll help her think about what she's doing. Verse seven, and she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. Boy, maybe if I, maybe if I try this, maybe this will finally get her, a hold of her heart. Maybe this will help her see the error of her ways. Maybe this will help her turn back to me. For then, was it better with me than now? Maybe she realized that, hey, uh, nobody treated her like I treated her. Well, that's what God wants uh, uh, people to realize. They're out there in sin. They're out there mess. Boy, if, if, if people just realize, that's what God says to the world. Man, if people just realize how much I love them, how much I want to do in their life, the plan that I have for that. Why do they want to go out there and waste their life chasing, chasing sin and the, uh, the pleasures of sin and destroy their life when they could have a good, intimate relationship with me and I'll treat them better than anybody would? He says that. But then what happens? Verse 8, then it goes on to verse 8. It says, For she did not know. It's an interesting verse. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. So he has this thought in verse 7, but you know what? It doesn't work. It did not happen. She did not return. She stayed in her sin. And then it says in verse 8, Look at, notice that statement. It says this, she did not know that I gave. She did not know that I gave. What's he saying here? Here's the picture. Even when she was out there living in sin, even when she was out there doing all that wickedness, she didn't realize it was Hosea the whole time supplying her needs. Even though she was out there in sin, it was Hosea. He must have, I don't know if he found out where she was staying or what she was doing. But even that whole time, Hosea, while she was living in sin and doing things, Hosea still made sure that her needs were met. That's an amazing thought. Here she is betraying him, betraying her children, right? Betraying 
everything that's right. And he says this, here she's out there and she didn't know that I gave her corn. I'm the one that supplied that wine. I'm the one that supplied that oil. I'm the one that supplied that silver and gold. I'm the one that made sure the light stayed on. I'm the one that made sure that food stayed in the refrigerator. And it says this, which they prepared for Baal. Even though all those things were used uh, to glorify the devil, even though all, she was out there living for the devil, I still supplied her need. And boy, that's what the world out there is living wickedly. It's living in pride against God not realizing the whole time, right, it is God who is meeting their need. You know, uh, thinking of uh, Brother Wood's uh, brother, you know, he, he, he's out there. Uh, uh, when I ran into him the other day, what did I mean? I met him at a grocery store. He's getting groceries. And yet, despite, uh, here he was down there and trying to help him, and yet all this time, even here, somehow God in his mercy is still supplying his need. You know, all those people out there denying God, you know, we look at, we look at all these wealthy people, these people, oh man, you know, they're like the man in the word of God. Oh man, I, you know, I built this company, I built that company, not realizing the whole time it was the mercy and grace in their life that supplied that big house, that supplied that wisdom, that supplied that, that uh, all those ideas. That was the mercy of God in their life and everything they have is, is really supplied by the hand of a merciful and gracious and loving God. The whole time they're out there living in sin, they do not know that it's God's mercy that is supplying every need uh, that they have. So, you know, like the Bible says, it's raining on the just and the unjust. So whether you live for God or not, he's merciful. Amen. He allows it to, to rain on your crops. He allows you to prosper. He allows you to be blessed. They don't realize the whole time it's God meeting their need, even though they're living for the devil. And uh, this is a picture of that. He's saying she out there, she's out there, she, she's denied me, she's forgotten about her kids, she's living a wicked life, and the whole time she didn't realize that me and my love and grace is the one supplying their need. And that's what God says to the world. Everyone out there, we're trying to win. Oh, I don't need God. Look, I got this, I got that. Well, you know, you don't realize you got it by the grace of God. I remember one time I was witnessing, speaking to brothers, I was witnessing to my older brother. And I, I shared a testimony with him about something that uh, God had done for me. He said, ah, that's no big deal. He said, I know people that don't even believe in God that that's happened to. So what's the big deal? I said, well, this is the big deal. God, that's right, God met their need or God had mercy on them. The difference is they don't know who to thank. That was God in their life too. The only difference is I recognize that it was God in my life and I know who to thank, but it was just as much God's mercy in their life when that situation happened with them as well. And that's what he wants them to realize. So people need to realize, you need to tell me if you're lost, it is God taking care of you even though you're not living him. And so we see he thought, well, maybe if I restrain, but that did not draw her back. So he goes on to say in verse nine, he's, in verse six, he said, well, therefore, maybe if I try this, but that didn't work out. And so he says in verse nine, therefore, well, let me try this. Will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof and my wine in the season thereof and will recover my wool and my flax given to her <laughs> nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and none shall deliver her <coughs> out of my hand. So he says, well, I'm going to try this. I, I supplied everything. 
Now let me try taking everything away. I'm going to remove some things. I'm going to bring her to rock bottom. You know, sometimes we think if people just lose everything they will hold, that they hold on to, they will finally seek the door of hope. But we, you know, we often wonder again, what's it going to take to bring people to their knees? He goes on and says in verse 13, And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers, look at this, and forgot me. See, not only did she forsake him, but she actually just forgot about her family. You see, sin, that shows the awfulness and wickedness of sin when it has full reign in a life. Because you see, sin doesn't care. The devil doesn't care. The world doesn't care what it takes from you. It doesn't care that you lose everything. You see these people stumbling down the street. Uh, they're homeless. They have nothing. It's all just about that next fix. It's all just about that next fix. Sin doesn't care what it takes from you or where it takes you. Isaiah 49, 15 says, Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Well, the natural answer would say, no, she can't. But yet we see that, yes, if they fall deep enough into sin, they can forget about their sucking child. They can forget about having compassion on the son of their womb like Hosea's wife did. And, but, but the Lord says this, Yea, they may forget, yet will not I forget thee. Even though we often think of a, in the worldly sense, the greatest love is a mother's love, but thank God we see one that's even stronger than that. We think the greatest love is, but uh, of course God's love is stronger than that. <laughs> And so he, God says, I'm going to take everything, away everything they lean on. I'm going to take away everything they depend on. I'm going to take every, away everything they needed and that was necessary. I'm going to take away every provision. And so he does that. But yet sin still has its grip of evil upon her. And we see then it's in other people's lives. They've been, they, they, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're stripped of they're stripped of everything, even their, even their family, and yet they go on in their sin, how heartbreaking that is. And how often, again, have we thought about someone? I think about people now. I mean, they, they, their children have been taken away. They've lost completely everything, but yet they get up every morning. Well, it's just like the Bible says about those that drink, you know. <laughs> they go out and they do this, they do that, and uh, they get sick. Right, right. They feel like they're in the boat being tossed to and fro, but what do they do? They get back up in the morning and they pursue it again. And that is how sin is in a life when it has full rowing. But thank God we come to verse 15. Read verse 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. See, he said, well, I tried this. I, I, uh, I tried to hedge up her way and limit her way. But somehow she still went after sin. I took everything away, and she still went after sin. And now I'm going to try something else. Therefore, behold, I will lure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And notice verse 15. And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. You see, notice that statement, 
the Valley of Acor. We'll talk about that. That's kind of interesting. But here he talks about a door of hope. And that's the great, wonderful story of the Bible. The message of the Bible. Despite how bad it gets, despite how, despite how bad people fall into sin, the message of the Bible is a message of hope. Our hope, of course, is in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And of course, uh, a saved Bible-believing Christian, right? Rightfully so, is the most hopeful people in the world. Boy, every day when we go out and we interact with people, despite what's going on in the world, they should see that joy. They should see that hope that flows from our life. And of course, where do you say the door of hope is found? In the Valley of Achor. You know, God has tried this and he's tried that. that and then he finally brings them to the Valley of Achor, which means that Achor means pain or trouble. Right? Achor is a valley known for death. It's known for judgment. It's known for complete hopelessness. Now he says, I'm going to bring them to the place of complete hopelessness. I'm going to bring them to the very end. You know what they're going to find there in this place of judgment? You know what they're going to find in this place of death? They're going to find a door of hope. Here's where you find, see, the valley of Achor is mentioned in Joshua. And of course, right, that's the story of Achan, right? We know Achan's sin. And he gets stoned. Yeah, no wonder he was aching, right? Joshua 7, 24. And Joshua says this. It says this. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold, and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. This is where it gets its name. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised up over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. So when people thought of the Valley of Achor, they said, well, this is the place of trouble. This is the place of death. This is the place of of judgment. This is where all hope ends, right? When, when, uh, when uh, Achan got there, he knew that all hope was gone. That was it. He was going to face the judgment for his sin. And see, God says, hey, the place where they should be facing the judgment for their sin, that's where I'm going to provide a door of hope. That's love. That's grace. That's mercy. God says in this valley known for death and destruction, I will put the door of hope. Only God can do that. Put a door of hope where it seems like that is the blast place you would find it. The Valley of Achor is where one is hedged in, and you finally realize if God does not step in, I'm through. And you know what he does? He steps in, and there's a door of hope. And that's what God wants to do in people's lives. It is important to realize the door of hope, and this is what we want people to realize, is not just an exit door. Most people are looking for an exit door right? When they get in a bad situation. The door of hope is not an exit door from troubles. It's an entrance door to a new life. And that's what he wanted to provide for her. He just didn't want to get her out of her bad situation. He wanted to get her into a new life. That's what the door of hope provides. Not just exit, not just an exit from a wicked life, but the entrance to a new and wonderful life with God. <laughs> People think they need an exit strategy 
People say, oh man, if I can just find an exit strategy. Say, oh no, sir, you don't need an exit strategy. You need an entrance strategy, amen? An entrance into a new relationship with God. The way to a new life. Jesus said, I am the door. He is the door of hope. Our prayer for loved ones should not be, Lord, get them out. But our prayer for our loved ones, whoever it is, is, Lord, get them in. Lord, don't just get them out of the situation. Amen. Listen, when I saw my brother in a tough situation, I didn't just want him out of that situation. I wanted him in, not out. Amen. I wanted him in to relationship with God. And right. And where did we find our hope? Well, you know, where did we get our hope? Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And the hope, his hope came through the place of trouble. John 12, 27 says this. Jesus said, now is my soul troubled. You see, the Lord went to the place of trouble for us. And he says, what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this world. When Jesus was crucified in weakness and paid for our sins, there at Calvary, amen, that's the place, right, where the door of hope is. That's the place that you look at Calvary, boy, and the, 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 the disciples looked at it, and it looked like the place of hopelessness. You know, we, we, we remember when even after he died, what did they say? We supposed it had been him. We, we, man, we thought this was going to be, you know, this was our hope. We thought this was it. And boy, they see, the, they see him hanging upon the cross and they say, it's hopeless now. What they didn't realize is that place where they thought it was hopeless and look, there's death and they, they saw death. They saw destruction. They just saw no way. But right there is where God put the door of hope for all of mankind. There at Calvary, when he had, the stone had rolled away upon his resurrection, it opened the door of hope in a place that was known for death, trouble, and sorrow. So what an interesting thought here as we look of Hosea. He comes home and his, <coughs> his wife's gone and he sees his children and he says, man, what's it going to take to bring this woman back to me? He tries this and he tries that. And finally, God says, it looks like I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to bring her this far down because that's where she's going to find the place of hope. But what's interesting as we finish up here, look at how verse 1 started again. I thought this was interesting. Of course, in chapter 1, we saw the names of the children, right? <coughs> and one of the names of the children in verse 6, well, go to chapter 1 for a second first. Go to chapters, verse 6 of chapter 1, and we see the names of one of the children, Lo. Ruhamah, right? See that low Ruhamah. And then look at the name of the other child, another child in verse 8. I mean, uh, verse, where is low? Nine, right. Thank you. Then said God, call his name Loami. Now look at this. You have Loami and you have low Ruhamah. Now look at verse 1. It says this, say you unto your brethren, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhamah. What's missing? The low. The low. And so what is interesting, you see, what did, what did uh, low Ruhamah mean? And what did low Ami mean? One means what? One means no pity. The other one means you're no longer my people. Well, what makes it negative is the low. So when you remove the low, then it means the opposite. Hey, I will give mercy. Hey, 
you are my people. And so what's interesting is when he comes home and he sees this and he's getting ready to uh, pursue his wife, he didn't look and say, well, hey, I'm not going to show pity this time. Hey, she's, you know, it looks like he says she's no longer mine. But he starts off by saying, you know what? Despite all this, I'm going to show mercy. Despite all this, right, she's still mine. Boy, what a, what a wonderful thought that is, that despite everything, hey, to the people that are lost or if you're saved and you've gotten away from God, despite everything you've done, you know what God looks down and he says, you know what, I'm still going to show mercy. God still looks down and he says, you know what, I still want you to be mine. What love. What grace. So at that time, again, when you think he would say, no pity, no mercy, not my people, he extends mercies and he says, you're still mine. What a God, the God of great love, the God of extended mercy, the God that gives a door of hope to the last moment, the God that loves to say, you are mine. You know, as we finish up here and we pray, you know, I think, you know, we should say especially, you know, we think, oh, man. You know, I, I, if Brother Wood doesn't mind me saying this, you know, I feel so sorry for Brother Wood's mother. You know, I was, I was talking to her at, the, at his aunt's funeral, you know, and you, you can see she's at, she's at her wit's end. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't know uh, what to do, and you, you can understand that. You can understand that. I mean, you just see a mother's broken heart, but yet despite all that, you know what? God looks at Michael and he says, you know what? Michael, I still want to show mercy. Michael, I still want you to be my child. And boy, in our humanity, we want to give up. We say, you know, you know, the goofball, he deserves what he gets. And he probably does deserve what he gets. But you know what? We want him to get what he doesn't deserve. <laughs> Isn't that what we got? We want him to get what he doesn't deserve. We think of uh, uh, Josiah and no doubt how he's, how he's, how he's uh, uh, broken their heart. We said, man, how, man, you, you look at the bird, you say, man, what a, what a, what a great couple, man. They've, they've been faithful to God. I mean, uh, man, that, how can it? But you know what? God says, I still want to show mercy. God says, I still want him to be my child. And so that's why we need to continue to pray to that end. And others, maybe you know somebody, or maybe you know somebody that's saved and gotten away from God, and, and, and we're like, man, what's it going to take for them to come back to God? What's, what's it going to take? Hey, listen, uh, we want to say to them today, hey, God still wants to show mercy. God still wants you to be his. Because as long as they are alive... There is an opportunity. There is an opportunity, and there God wants people to know there is still a door of hope that they can enter. We'll finish with this verse, Ecclesiastes 9, 4. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. And so despite all that she had done against her husband, despite all that Israel has done against God the Father, and despite all that others have done, God wants the world to know, hey, there's still a door of hope. Amen. Not just an exit. Amen. But an entrance to a new life. If you'll come do it today. Amen. You'll find mercy and you'll find a relationship with me. Let's pray.